When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the podcast. As we know by now, I'm Ben, and I am hanging out here with HowStuffWorks.com's own Scott Benjamin. Hey, Ben, how's it going? It's going pretty well, man. Hey, okay. you're still the auto editor, right? Uh, correct, yes. Oh, good, yeah. good, because <laughs> otherwise this would be kind of awkward. Yeah, it would. I mean, we could still hang out, but, you know. Talking about cars, just Yeah, out. we'd just be like, yeah, we'd just be hanging out. Mm-hmm. And how fortuitous it is that you're still the auto editor, and I still have questions for you. Uh, so let me give it a shot here. Uh, you know how whenever you see a car commercial – or whenever you hear something from a consumer guide about a vehicle, oftentimes they also include the estimated miles per gallon or MPG. Sure. Yeah, they do. Um, usually it's broken down even into city and highway miles. Um, if you notice that, and there's a reason for that. That's, uh, that's from very, uh, detailed testing that happens in a lab. Uh, it's actually a government agency that does that. Uh, yes, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, yes. and they're in charge of, uh, you know, we hear a lot about them from, uh, miles, miles per gallon is one of, actually one of the things that we might not be so familiar with them doing because a lot of times they're associated with pollution control or with, uh, supervising the contaminants or the pollution or the, the waste disposal practices of uh, businesses and, you know, Superfund sites and things like that. Yeah. But they're also in charge of MPG. That's right. They, um, they're they not necessarily in charge of it, but mm-hmm. they are um, the government agency that does the testing that um, um, actually gives us the rating numbers. Um, so, manufact- you know, we associate the numbers that we see in a window sticker on a new vehicle, mm-hmm. um, city and highway miles, and then kind of a combined average. Uh, that Those numbers are... The result of very, very specific tests that are run by either the EPA or the manufacturer themselves. And we can talk about that in a second. But, um, huh. now manufacturers often run the same test that the EPA runs mm-hmm. and the EPA verifies the numbers. That's well, kind of how that works. Okay. I see. So the EPA almost does a, a control or a quality control check. On yeah, they some do. They're, they're, they're taking a sample of vehicles. Um, I think I, I read somewhere that it's like 10, 10 to 15%. Which are actually confirmed by the EPA. 
Uh, okay. um, but it's a, but it's a, a good sample. It's a uh, representative sample, and uh, they're pretty accurate because you know manufacturers don't want to come out and claim something that's just way off the charts because mm. of course the EPA will verify it and say, no, sorry, you're you're making this up. You know, you guys are lying on this one, um, <laughs> and you know that that just wouldn't last too long. So it it's um, you know in the best interest of the manufacturer to. Mm. You know, actually, actually do the test in the exact same way that the EPA would do the test and come up with a numbers that make sense. Okay. All real, right. Okay. Real world numbers, I should say. Real world numbers. Oh, right. Because as we know, the caveat that we always hear on this is actual mileage may vary. That's right. Your actual mileage may vary. And that's, uh, that's something you'll see in just about every, um, automotive ad, every print mm-hmm. ad. You'll hear it on the radio. Um, You'll hear it from dealers. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. you, you know, it depends greatly on how the person drives. It depends on um, climate conditions. It depends on um, atmospheric conditions. Sure. You know, if, if the if the air is more dense, if it's humid, um, your altitude determines mm-hmm. mileage. Mm-hmm. There's just an unbelievable amount of factors that determine actually how many miles per gallon you get. Oh, talk about that real, uh, the very strange one that you had told me about earlier before we went on to, to do this episode, the amount of gas in your gas tank. Yeah. You know what? We were thinking about this. We were talking about this earlier and this hadn't occurred to me really. Maybe, maybe we had mentioned it in another podcast. I'm not sure. No, hypermiling. Yeah. But now that we're talking about mileage, this makes sense again. Uh, yeah. So, so bear with us here. But sure. one one gallon of gasoline weighs six about six point three pounds, and this is according to fueleconomy.gov. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if one gallon of gasoline weighs six point three pounds, if the tank is getting lighter as you're driving, it seems like your gas mileage would improve mm-hmm. as you get closer to the end of the tank. And now that's probably not you know any you know outstanding st- you know statement that somebody would say, "Wow, you know, I never ever thought of that before." Because sure. I'm sure a lot of people have thought of that. Um, a lot of people don't fill up their tank just for this reason. But if you, if you think of it, maybe a lot of people haven't really thought about this because, and I've got a little example here, but if you've got 14 gallons of fuel mm-hmm. in a tank, which is, I guess, kind of standard. I don't know if it's average or what, but, yeah. uh, if you multiply that by 6.3 pounds, that's 88.2 pounds of fuel that you're carrying around. Mm-hmm. So when you leave the gas station, you're carrying 88.2 pounds of fuel. By the time you get down to a quarter tank of fuel in that same, same vehicle, you're, that which is only three and a half gallons, you're only carrying 22 pounds of fuel. So you've lightened the load there by um, 66 pounds. Sure. That's a significant amount, and I would have to believe that that would increase your miles per gallon. So the lighter weight your vehicle is, the uh, the better the mileage would be. And that that's just one great example of how many factors go into, cal- go into an actual measure of miles per gallon on the road. Um, and when you're testing it, just like crash testing, you can't always count in every factor, and thus uh, actual mileage per gallon, actual miles per gallon may vary. But you know what, Scott? What we should probably get into. Um, riddle me this: How does this testing actually work? Because let me let me be completely above the board with you. Um, sometimes we talk about these things uh, before the episode begins. But right now, I have no idea. I am a blank slate, an open book. <laughs> okay, Ben, for the testing, it's pretty simple, really. Um, what they do is it's, it's actually conducted in a lab. Um, all of the EPA testing is, is conducted in a lab. And I may, send that, may, I may think that it sounds like, you know, well, how can they recreate every situation in a lab? Well, actually, that's even better for them because it can control the situation exactly. Um, and the dynamometer is set up to produce um, 
certain amount of resistance and it, it actually, it helps them to do it this way. It's very precise. Mm-hmm. It's electronically controlled and it's, it's exact. Whoa. whoa, whoa. Yeah. What's the name of this device again? Uh, dynamometer. All right. Is, what, what does it do? It, I'm sure you've seen this before. You probably just didn't know what it was called. Okay. It's, it's, um, it's the, the roller system that a vehicle pulls on top of so that the vehicle can actually drive without, or it can be, you know, run through its gears with the engine running, you know, everything the way it should be. You know, operating as if you're on the road, but the car's not moving. Vehicles. That's crazy. Yeah, you've it's, seen it before. Yeah, I think sure I have now you say. I just didn't know the name. It sounds almost like a treadmill for cars. That's exactly what it is, except there isn't usually a running uh, a track under a it. track underneath it. It's more of a roller system, so mm-hmm. uh, the vehicle's kind of balanced between a few rollers. Um, it it's actually a pretty good setup in order way and way to do that, and they can mimic real world situations in the lab. Mm-hmm. Almost, well, I should say almost better, but yeah, when, in case of like temperature and, and, um, I guess drag and things like that, they can, they can, um, manipulate the, the dynamometer in a way that, you know, it's, it's accurate, maybe mm-hmm. even more so than, than out in the real world with the temperatures and, uh, conditions like that. Cause you'd have wind and things like that to deal with that you don't there. And they can simulate all that in the lab exact. Yeah. And it's a smart idea too when you think about, how far you would have to drive or how many different locations you would have to have mm-hmm. to get, you know, just something as simple as differing temperatures. Yeah, that's right. And, th- and being electronically controlled, this can be exact the first time and correct every time. So, um, you know, it just seems to work out well. But what, I, I guess we should get in the test, right? Yeah, that's you're reading my mind. What okay. kind of tests well, are they doing? Um, the tests that they're doing, now, of course, they've got it now, if you've got a city and highway mileage rating, you know that there's a city and highway test, right? Yes. Well, very recently in 2008, they added three additional tests to this, uh, to this, this queue, this, um, this rundown of a routine of tests that they run vehicles through. And they added a high speed test, an air conditioning test, and a cold temperature test in 2008. Huh. Now, prior to that, now the t- these tests were developed in the 1960s. So they're based on, Kind of everyday driving in the 1960s. Okay, the first two tests. The, f- the first two tests. Yeah, we're just talking about city and highway. Okay. Uh, those are the only ones that existed until 2008. So the first tests were developed in 19, in 1960s. Mm-hmm. Again, city and highway only. And those tests were the same tests that were used all the way through 1985. In- so that's, uh, what? That's, more than two decades. Yeah, more than two decades. It could be as long. I mean, depends on when it was developed in the nineteen sixties. I'm not clear on, on the exact start date, but um in nineteen eighty five is when it received its first update. So they finally determined that, hey, you know what, maybe these are a little bit outdated. Let's adapt our test so that it's more real world. Yeah, I don't know, Scott. That seems that seems a little bit a little bit of a gap there because just between the sixties and just between, really, just between the sixties and seventies, there were so many innovations with, uh, the design of an automobile. Yeah, it was different. I mean, 1985? 1985, yeah. And, you know, then it wasn't until, again, until 2008 when it was updated once again. So, um, there's these long gaps in between. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the new numbers are, well, actually the new numbers are more of a, uh, I guess a better sampling of what, Real world conditions are. And I guess the reason here is that, and this is coming from our article on our site. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, um, the reasons are because cars accelerate faster. There's more accessories that they're, they're powering. Um, oh, so people yeah. have a lot of things happening inside their car. You know, they're powering, sure. um, they've got AC, especially AC. That's the big one, really. 
air conditioning. AC is the MPG killer. Yeah, that's right. It is. It, it's it's well, maybe not as bad as you think, but it does mm. it does drag it down quite a bit. And it's just something that you know the 1960s vehicles, you know, that, that just wasn't a factor then. They, sure. I mean, um, the other thing is that there are h- higher highway speeds that are happening now. Um, I mean, people yeah. driving. Not that people didn't drive fast. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that um, average highway speeds are a lot higher now than they were in the 1960s, and that's just what kind of what. Uh, that's a good point. Going. So, um, for the most part, that's what uh, what these tests are. Okay. Kind of adapted to to, um, well, adapt to. And and from these tests, the EPA calculates miles per gallon per vehicle. Yeah, that's right. And they it, it's it's actually really complex the way they do it. And okay. you know, we can talk about how they go through it. We won't go into great deal, detail about it, but um, I can kind of run down what each test includes. And we can Perfect. just mention them, I guess, as we go yeah. back. If we can no, talk about no, them keep in mind before we get started. Mm-hmm. You know, I love a, a good list, um, but <laughs> this is this is really the the first time I'm hearing about this stuff. So if I ask a question that sounds crazy, then then just tell me that's a crazy question and keep I am, going. Uh, I'm ready for it. All right, I'm ready for it. So you go, go ahead and uh, fire away whenever you hear anything. All right, you question, list right? away. I'll stand by. To now fire. these are the old. T- remember the two original tests, but they have been updated. They're they're. I guess modernized. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's the city test, which is urban driving, of course. Mm-hmm. And that starts with a, uh, with a cold engine and it's driven in a stop and go and it's drive, driven in stop and go traffic. And this is right from the fueleconomy.gov site. So, um, these are the, the explanation of their tests. Uh, there's the highway test, which is a mix of rural and rural. I have a hard word that, or time with that word. <laughs> you know, what gets me is edited. I have a hard time saying edited. <laughs> so a mix of rural and interstate highway driving. Uh-huh. Uh, the engine's warmed. Uh, the engine's warmed up, and it includes free flowing traffic. So it does have some congestion, but um, sure. free flowing traffic. Yeah. Okay. Now we're getting to the three that were added in two thousand eight. High speed test. High speed test. Very good, Ben. Yeah, you knew. Um, cool. Good memory. And um, city and highway driving. That's what that includes. Uh huh. Um, higher speeds with aggressive acceleration and braking. So that kind of sounds like uh, my daily commute, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like what you deal with all around you. Not saying that I do all yeah. this. I'm saying I see this every day. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, Atlanta is, yeah, we have a reputation for traffic. So, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't know, man. Honestly, not to interrupt the list, but based on, based on some of our past conversations, I could, I could see you, I could see you being one of the high speed testers. Uh, maybe, maybe, but you know, it's a lab test. So I don't know how much fun that would be if you're, uh, oh yeah, really doing it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Air conditioning test is next and it's just what it sounds like using the AC, but that's when it's hot outside and the outside contention, uh, conditions rather are oddly enough, 95 degrees Fahrenheit, which yeah. Yeah. Which this week here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. it has been 95 degrees just about every day. Oh, it's going to be a long summer. <laughs> That's right. So the air conditioning test is something that I'm paying attention to right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then there's also a cold temperature test, which again, cold outside temperatures and that's in stop and go traffic. So mm-hmm. that again makes sense. But again, those are three tests. The last three, the high speed test, the air conditioning test and the cold temperature test were added in 2008. And prior to that, mm-hmm. not a factor. So your mileage was um, typically a little higher. Yeah, I was going to ask, how did this affect MPGs across the board? Well, across the board, it actually lowered miles per gallon in a lot of vehicles, Ooh. actually in every vehicle. Um, and 
again, I keep saying we'll get this to this in a minute, but we will. But um, overall, the fuel economy rate has dropped for all these cars. So um, just about every car, really. You know, car makers did not like that. No, no, they did not. Neither did car dealers because suddenly they have to advertise a vehicle that is the same vehicle that was there in 2007. Yeah. Same everything in 2007. Now in 2008, with the revised numbers, it gets lower miles per gallon, or it has lower mile per gallon rating. Ouch. That's got to be tough. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's right. And in our article, we have an example of uh, the 2007 Toyota Camry. Uh-huh. So in with the old numbers, it had a 24 city and 33 highway rating, and that that's was 20, pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. 27 combined. Um, under the new uh, testing regulations or new testing ratings, it gets 21 city and 30 in the highway, which is a 24 uh, miles per gallon uh, yeah. combined rating. I see where you're going. Yeah, so it drops three miles per gallon. And, and because a lot of times uh, Camry, Camry consumers are very aware of mile per gallon ratings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. they're looking for an, an affordable car that is also, you know, a, a, a miser when it comes to fuel. So... Um, yeah, this has got to hurt them. I would, I would think that, you know, overall, um, it's got to hurt everybody, but it's, it's, again, it's, it's more accurate. And mm-hmm. I think that this is a better, a better scale to judge everybody on because this is, this is modern day. Sure. It's not, it's not as though it, it, although it's easy to look at it from the perspective of saying, oh no, they're lowering our MPG rating. What's actually happening is we're getting a more realistic rating. Yeah, right? correct. Yeah. And the thing is, it dropped everybody's at the same time. It wasn't like we're picking on one, uh, sure. you know, one segment or one manufacturer. It's it, it's everybody. And again, I said it dropped overall for everybody, but um, mm. I believe that the percentage was that the fuel economy for all cars dropped by about, and this is just an average, sure. about twelve percent in the city, and about eight percent on the highway. Okay, and <laughs> some. That's not for everybody though, because it's an average. Okay. Some fell as much as thirty percent in the city and twenty five percent on the highway, which I find pretty remarkable because that's that's significant. That's a big drop. Yeah, those guys, those those vehicles must have been in just the perfect storm statistically. Yeah, I know? think so. I think so. So yeah. it really did hurt um, several manufacturers when it came to uh, the the new numbers. So now for our listeners uh, who maybe have a car that was pre-2008 and thought they knew their MPG. Hmm. Um, now the question becomes, how do I figure out what my MPG rating is? You don't necessarily have to figure it out yourself, which is good. If you go to, there's a site called fueleconomy.gov. I've mentioned it a couple times. And we can't say enough good about it. No, it's actually a very good site. Um, of course, it's a government-run site. It's got a lot of great information about mm-hmm. fuel economy on, on that site. And um, there's... A lot of tools you can use. One's a, one's a um, a calculator. Actually, yeah, there's one that calculates old fuel economy. So if you happen to know what your old fuel economy was mm-hmm. in the city and highway, you can you can punch in the numbers. Now these are the numbers that were reported by the manufacturer, not what you recorded yourself at the fuel pump every time you filled up. Right. But um, I'm talking about the numbers that were reported on your window sticker. Mm-hmm. If you were to input those numbers into a calculator that they have, they will recalculate them for. Uh, the 2008 standards and give you the new numbers. And let's also just point out, this is awesome because earlier we mentioned that the way the EPA arrives at these tests, at, at these numbers, that, that method can be very complex. 
Yeah, it's not, it's not a simple, it's not a simple matter of, uh, you know, driving for three minutes and, and stopping and that's your, uh, you know, calculate how much fuel, fuel you used. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tests are actually pretty complex and you can get to them, um, on the site. I've got, I've got actually the, the, uh, the way you can get to the detailed information for the test if you'd like to hear it. Oh yeah, that's okay. Cool. That's Lead us it. through. Okay. <laughs> so bear with me here. It's only three steps really, but, but I think it's so valuable that people will want to look it up. I really do because, the information on the test is it's pretty interesting, and I think it'll give you a, a better glimpse into you know what we're talking about. And here. you want to know what's going on? Yeah, that's right. Everybody wants to know what's going on. So from from the homepage again at fueleconomy.gov, uh-huh. kind of scan down to the bottom of the page or scroll down, and there's a, a section called New Fuel Economy Ratings. It's near the bottom of the page. It's got a little uh, photo with it. Click on that link. That opens up another page on the left hand side. Select Fuel Economy Tests. And then that will open up, you know, a couple of subtopics below it. Um, there's one called detailed test information on the left hand side. And that's where you'll get the information that we've been talking about today. Mm, that's and, where you can take a, a close look at it. Sure. And, you know, somewhere within there, when I, you know, mm. one of those pages that I just mentioned is where you can find all these different, um, you know, gas mileage tips and you can compare vehicles. You can, uh, you can report your own mileage so that you can, you know, help track. The way certain vehicles are performing. Um, that was pretty interesting stuff, but if you go to the detailed comparison, you can look up each test individually. Mm-hmm. I've selected, uh, detailed comparison and I've got kind of a rundown of every test and, and what's involved in the test and, you know, the average speeds, the idle time that, you know, that each vehicle spends, uh, maximum acceleration. It's got, uh, the test duration, which is, you know, how long the test takes in minutes. Um, the other tabs actually, do the test in seconds, which is kind of unusually, like 1,250 seconds. Weird. Um, but here they've got it broken down to minutes and seconds. Uh-huh. Um, the number of stops was kind of surprising because, you know, you find that like for this, you know, the uh, city test, there's 23 stops involved. And okay. for the highway, there's none, obviously. But sure. then when you get up to the high speed test, there are four stops involved, which I found kind of Weird. unusual. But I think that's because that of the, um, didn't we say something like a moderate um, traffic flow? Yeah. During yeah. that test. So that must be that. You know, if you're talking highway, mm-hmm. you may come up to a place where you have to stop. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. But if you look at the, uh, the detailed comparison, that's a pretty interesting tab to check out because, you know, it's a lot of information there, but, uh, just take a few minutes to, to comb over it and I think you'll get some good info. Definitely. Let's take a different approach in, in this situation. And let's say that we want to, uh, because we know that mileage on the actual road may vary. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's say that we're a concerned car owner who wants to uh, forego the internet and calculate the mileage for themselves. Oh, yeah, simple. I do this all the time. Okay, I really do. Um, not every time, but I do it often enough that I'm familiar with how to do it. You, you have to start with a full tank of fuel. Okay. And actually, it's better. You know, it's better if you if you pull up to the pump and you know you're going to do this for the tank of fuel that you're filling right now. Is it okay? Quick question. Yeah. Um, do you have to have an empty tank and then fill it up or it just has to be full? No, it just has to be full okay. because what you want to do is you want to get your tank completely full and reset your trip odometer. Okay. Okay. Simple enough, right? You reset it to zero right there at the pump. Mm-hmm. The next time you fill up, you know, even if it's, even if it's 10 gallons, if it's, if it's five gallons, whatever it is, make sure that you read the mileage in the, in the trip odometer and then use the, number of gallons that you pump into the tank at that time and make sure it goes back up to full again. That's, yeah. that's what you have to do. Uh, make sure it goes back up to full again. Uh, and then div- just simply divide the uh, number of gallons into the number of miles that you've traveled. And there you've got your, your miles per gallon. 
That's that's uh that sounds like it's pretty easy to it, do. It's really simple. I do it on trips all the time because you know you get a pretty impressive number usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, highway miles are pretty good. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit upset with my most recent one. I've got a Honda Civic, and I got <laughs> I'm gonna tell you I got 19 and a half gallons, uh, or rather miles per gallon. You got that the, AC on the last man. tank. That's we were just talking <laughs> about that. You know, I just mentioned that it was 95 degrees here. Yeah. And I think I've been doing a lot of idling. Well, having the AC on in traffic mm-hmm. and it's just killing my miles per gallon. So you can see how this, this can vary so much because I, I'm accustomed to getting somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 27, 28. Sure. Using the AC and being stuck in an idle situation. Um, my mile has gone all the way down to mileage has already gone down to 19 and a half. Okay. And so if you're someone who has decided to calculate the MPG of your vehicle, uh, just for the extra information, why not go and compare it to the stats of your car manufacturer or the actual EPA stats on fueleconomy.gov? Uh, because from what we're hearing, there will probably be some difference. Oh, yeah, there's always variance, and, and I kind of like to do that myself, too. I like to go back because that's one one thing that they've done is they've they've – Retroactively gone back, or I don't know if that's the right way to say that or not. They've What's gone, they've, they've gone back to 1985 and adjusted every miles per gallon stat for the vehicles listed from 2000, I think it's up to 2010 now. Mm-hmm. So 2010 through 1985 have been adjusted for this new, uh, new testing format. So it's, it's pretty interesting to take a look at it. So you can find, you can find all the information you need. Yeah. Right. I feel it's, like, yeah, I feel like we've got, We've got a pretty good handle on this, but there's, I, I, there's two things we have to do before, uh, before we can, we can call it a day here. What's that? Well, first, I think that we should, let's see, we got two things. There's a VW we could talk about, mm. or there's a very interesting piece of listener mail. What do, what do you feel like? <laughs> let's talk about the VW first. How about that? All right. I'm familiar with that. I, I think I know what you're getting at here, but, uh, go ahead and hit me with it. I've heard somewhere that there is a Volkswagen that is reputed to have 58 miles per gallon rating. Okay. Have you heard this? I have. I've actually seen the ad. Yeah, I have. Um, and I, I guess I'm going to be a little tight lipped on this and I'll tell you why, because I blogged about this on, I think it was Monday, June 29th. Mm-hmm. So it was about, what is that, eight or nine days ago? And what I did is I kind of dispelled the, uh, the myth, I guess, of this ad because there's getting, it's getting a lot of press that, you know, here's this Jetta that's getting 58 mm-hmm. miles per gallon. It's a Jetta TDI, mm-hmm. not clean diesel engine. And, um, I don't know. It's interesting. Take a look at the ad, take a look yeah. at the blog post and there's links to the, uh, to the site, um, oh. the commercial rather. And, um, I don't know. I think you'll find it interesting, but it's, it's pretty easy to come away from that ad thinking that, uh, this vehicle does get 58 miles per Oh, hour. man, you caught me. When I was saying I heard about it somewhere, I was talking about your blog. <laughs> I knew you were a blog reader. I, I, I knew read, it. I'm sorry. I, it's, it. I read blogs. <laughs> that's good. No, don't, don't be sorry for that. That's a, that's yeah. a good thing. It's an, it's, sometimes I'll come across something that's pretty interesting like that. So I try to, try to get that on there when I can. Hey, man, I, I, I love to read, um, blogs. Books, oh, stats. You know what? One other thing you should read, though, um, if if we're talking about um, EPA and the mileage and all this, yeah. um, we do have an article on our site that's also pretty good about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is called "How the 2008 EPA Fuel Economy Ratings Work," and you couldn't mm-hmm. get a more concise explanation of how these things operate because this was this was an article that was written just as these were changing, mm-hmm. and um, I think you find it pretty interesting. But it's it's really clear and it's uh, it's just straight to the point. So I think it's uh, it's a good read. And up to date. And up to date. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So you want to move on to uh, listener mail? You know what? Let's do it. All right. So here we have a, uh, a note from Brannon. It's B-R-A-N-N-O-N. Brannon. All okay. right. And Brennan says that he just listened to our Auto Trends, uh, the past podcast, and he wants to mention that um, he lives in, where was it here? He lives in Okinawa, Japan. Okinawa, Japan. Okinawa, Japan, yep. Awesome. That's pretty impressive. We have yeah. a listener in Okinawa. Anyways, they, um, he says that they have a subtropical climate, and in the summer it's hot and humid all the time, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of sweat. So, of course, you're in your car, and uh, oh, yeah. you, know, you sit in the seat, and it just gets real you sticky stick and, to it. and gross. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, he says that, um, you know, those beaded car seat covers, I think we mentioned them during the uh, We during did. The we mentioned those on that podcast. Yeah. He said that uh, that is a way that they combat... Um, some of the, uh, I guess, sticking to the seat and the sweating because it allows air to flow between your body and the car seat, and that, that makes perfect sense. It's very functional. That's an awesome. That's an awesome point. You know, uh, we actually, when when we checked out this uh, email from you, Brandon, um, I I actually went and called some of my friends who live in hotter areas and let them know. And for our listeners out there, if you're sweating away right now on some uncomfortable seats, or if you're one of those people who walks by your car in the parking deck and cringe at the thought of having to jump in and give yourself a little bit of backburn, then uh, this might not be an auto trend of the past for you. You yeah. know, I know I've seen them around here. I, I just, I guess, I've never paid attention to why they were there. I thought maybe it was a therapeutic thing, like maybe it was, uh, you know, yeah. comfortable on your back. But it seems to me it would be the opposite. It seems like it would be uncomfortable. But right. I doubt it is. But now I feel like we get it. Yeah, yeah, it must be comfortable. I mean, enough people. Yeah. I've seen enough people with them that it must be of value. Yeah, so Brandon, thanks so much for writing in to our listeners. Thanks again uh, for spending some time with us. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have any questions about the EPA, MPG, I don't know, Scott, um, beaded seat covers, anything automotive related, please feel free to send us an email at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. 
Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.